0: can't hang on. The Jets counter, Shifley to Connor. full speed, makes the ball, swooping in, scores!
1: Connor with an incredible move. Who has it now? Back to Matheson, Caulfield, there it is he'll put in one-time Now he shoots and scores. Copfield with the overtime winner for Montreal on
2: the
0: power play. Lose it to Cole, quickly up to DiGiuseppe, in on the left wing, drop pass, Miller, wrist shot, scores! Now, G.G. Miller gives the Canucks the lead again.
1: Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show.
2: All right, here we go. The weekend is here, so let's tear up the old P-patch clicker in a and make a fast break to the midnight hour. Welcome to Sports 1440, Oilers Nation. If you thought it was restless on Tuesday after the loss in Vancouver, after the loss last night in San Jose, it will be on a whole new level. Uh, this franchise has seen a lot of low points in a glorious history. Where does this one rank? Uh, a month into the season with a record of now 2-9-1, 31st. In the NHL, at the near bottom, pretty well of every offensive category, every save percentage, goaltending category, the team is in disarray, people are calling for heads, coaches need to be fired, what's going to happen, where are we going from here? It is a scene, there's no question about it. Text line and phone line will be open today again, 1-833-401-1440, 1-833-401-1440. Send us a text. We've got tons of them in already that came in over the course of last night and early in this morning. Let's welcome in our co-host on Fridays, 7 to 9, Eddie Steele, brought to you by Bonton Bakery. Bonton Bakery's been an Edmonton fan favorite since it opened in 1956. Their slow and steady approach is a tradition they're proud of, and it shows in their products. Order online at bonton.ca. Welcome in, Eddie. This has been a Friday tradition with you and I so far, because every Friday, it seems the Oilers play not to their potential, and come in here, you come in here on Friday, and all hell breaks loose. <laughs>
3: Welcome to the show again, Eddie. Good morning, good morning. I try to be pleasant and I try to bring the best attitude I can bring, but you're right, it's been a month straight of pretty much of coming in off an Oilers loss, not only a loss, but uh, poor play, uh, lack of a lot of things that we're going to get into throughout mm-hmm. the show here. And uh, here we are. I hate to talk negative, but, you know, at the end of the day, the sky is not falling. We all woke up this morning, but I hate to say it. This team's the worst in the league. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I mean, just saying that. Argue, no, I, I, argue it. You, you can't,
2: can't even fathom it. You can't even fathom it. It's just that's it, that sentence just doesn't make sense. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Jurassic Bark. last night was the apathy setting in. This team doesn't care. Fans won't either. It's going to be raining jerseys at the next home game, and thanks to Big Oil and the Mac. Godspeed on the text line and phone lines today. Woody will be fired today, and it's a damn shame. He's a great coach. We'll have success elsewhere in the league, much the same as Todd is with the L.A. Kings. The biggest th- problem that I had with last night's game again is the start. You, This is a game, considering the circumstances, where you are behind the eight ball, standings wise behind everything everyone's been crapping on you for weeks and you've got a team that yes lost 10-2 10-1 but came back and beat philadelphia you came out in the first period you had six hits the intensity wasn't at the level it wasn't at the level it needed to be to start the game considering the set the
3: circumstances yeah, absolutely not no it wasn't and I'm tired of hearing about the shots, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about the shots and how much they outshot uh, the Sharks yesterday. But early on in the game, what was it? It was like 12 to 2. And. But were they quality? Sure, there was a couple good opportunities. They're getting into a couple of danger zones. But for the most part, they're just putting it right in the crest of the goalie. So really, you can have 100 shots, but if you're just firing the puck right at the goalie's chest, are they quality chances? But here we go again, too. I've said this the past three weeks, and it's the same story teams that are quote-unquote average or below average talent-wise compared to the Oilers continue to look like dominant forces on offense against this Oilers D. Oilers
2: with nine goals, four in their last 168 shots on goal. Last night, the shots were 41-18. As you said, Eddie, a lot of them from the perimeter. Not, a, not near enough traffic. Never maybe once or twice or three times did you see a full out All out Gong show In front of the net We saw it at the end Of the second period That was the biggest Push the Oilers had Yeah They had the big line That came out there For Two sequences Came out And really pushed the net Zach Hyman with a great chance Right in the blue how many goals did Zach
3: Hyman score in the blue last night? Last year, how many did he get disallowed? We haven't seen that. No, and you got to start the game like that. You know, forget coming in late in the second period with that type of attitude. <laughs> start with that.
2: The rig says preach Eddie preach. I've been saying that about the shots for month one If you've got a comment, you want to come on air with us, let us know. Texts keep rolling in. Klaus from Beaumont. Woody is too positive. Sadly, he's probably gone today. And The okay. rig, rig follows up with the Oilers are allergic to the
3: area between the hash marks in both ends. The uncomfortable areas. Yes. And we'll touch on that uh-huh. because this team is soft. There's no... You can't sugarcoat it. They're soft. So... With Woody, what's your opinion on that, Kevin? Do you think it's Woody? Do you think it's Ken? Where, where does the shoe fall? Oh, that is a long,
2: there's a long answer to that question. And it's probably three, four, five-fold. Mark Spector saying this morning in his column, and we'll have Spec on at 8 o'clock, that he expects he would think that there's going to be a coaching change. A lot of other People have said, I'm listening to Gord Stellick. We had Gord Stellick come in. Uh, he, we're going to have him on at uh, 9.20 today. He's from Sirius XM NHL Radio. He believes Jay Woodcroft will be fired as well. Uh, just to read Speck's comment, if Gerard Gallant or more likely assistant Glenn golitson is not behind the bench Saturday night in Seattle, then you'll know that Holland has given up on the season. I don't agree with that. I don't agree if there's not a coaching change by Saturday that Ken Holland has given up on the season. Ken Holland made some decisions over the summer about how to construct this lineup. They have not worked out. All the guys that have that have left that were key pieces to the puzzle last year, they're not lighting it up where they're going either. But maybe there was a certain chemistry. I when a coach gets fired it's for two reasons and you see or more than two. The team quit on him, mm-hmm. or he's lost the room. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's the same, same thing. thing. It's the same thing. Have you has he made that many egregious decisions going forward as a coach? Has he made that many going forward that keeps his, keeps his job? That's up to Ken Holland,
3: but Ken Holland is in—he's in no man's land right now as well. See, he's in the final year of his contract. Exactly, and that's my point. I think it's more of a reflection on Ken than Jay. So, so you get rid of Jay, and then what is Ken responsible for even having a say in the next hiring? Probably not. Well, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't. And then you look at Ken. Now this is going to be a second coach in five years that he burns cap is tight because of him and the ultimate thing that he has never fixed in five years is the goalies so why is that fall on the shoulders of two different coaches two different regimes why wouldn't Ken be the first one to go and that's my question I want to ask Spec. why is it instantly go to Jay and look I'm not sitting here defending Jay mm-hmm. at all believe me but to me the arrow points even higher than Jay for this unexplainable mess
2: I'm going to break down the first goal for you Eddie and for our listeners and to me it again envelops exactly where the Oilers are right now a state of confusion because it's that's a good terminology so on the first goal the play's in the corner and everyone's kind of going well we have things under control but one little tiny miscue with a player's position and where the puck is and the next thing you know it's in the back of your net now the state of confusion lies herein Everyone has talked about defensive zone coverage. What is this coverage? Can you explain exactly how this coverage works? Who does what and where? Well, last night on the goal, and this is a young player going, if I'm supposed to be doing this, and I'm talking about Dylan Holloway, if I'm supposed to be doing this on the defensive zone coverage that is preached to us, that is broken down in video, that is, this is where I have to be and what I have to look after in my zone, then Dylan Holloway is going, i got to get out a little further to my point man up left, right. which leaves totally the the most dangerous area going where Leon Dreisaitl is supposed to slide over if I'm reading this defensive zone coverage properly and how it's supposed to be implemented. But as a young player, he's going, I better get out there. I better... I better cheat over there or else if the puck goes out there, that guy scores, I'm stapled to the bench because I didn't follow what the coaching staff has implemented.
3: And now a bigger issue is Leon on not hustling to get there. Yes. Straight-legged. Not in a good defensive posture. And let's talk about the body language. Mm-hmm. That So we talk about Holloway because the repercussions will fall on Holloway and they won't fall on a guy like Drysidle. That's been evident and that's a downfall of Woodcroft. But the bigger issue is Drysidle, your leader, one of your big dogs not doing what he's supposed to do sloppy lazy effort mm-hmm. and we will hear from Leon
2: Draisaitl's post game comments uh, probably around 7:40 ish classic davis text in 18334011440 there's no one that can be defend- defended at this point forwards are lost defense is lost goaltending is lost coach is lost gm is lost i'm done watching until they claw back up to 500 but i don't think they will this year Ooh, uh, <laughs> I mean the techs are just rabid as you can imagine. Uh, has Holland went down to the locker room and chewed out the boys yet? Greer did that with the Sharks the other day, and it gave them a bump. That comes from uh, Buddy Baker. Raw dog Reed. What's firing the GM at the beginning of his last season going to do for this team? He's one foot out the door already. Also can't wait for Gregor's skirted egg hairdo after the loss yesterday and there's been a lot of talk about that around the studios and we're going to get to jason greger at 720 Uh, to answer that text yes
3: there's something really unfortunate about that with having a gm who's one foot out the door and we know they've hired jackson etc but so he's literally what just collecting five mil to be one foot out the door is that how things is that how business works now i think because everyone assumed that this was going to be just an incredible season you know, so
2: he's going easy. This transition. is going to be my swan song. Probably bring someone in. You know, whoever it was going to be. Who who knows? Maybe I don't know. Six eight months ago, before the Ann Lauer thing came in, maybe Steve he was going to Steve Davis was going to come in to take over that job as a GM. Think you know, going that forward. And I'm just thinking outside the box. But I mean, Ken's been around a long time. Again, he's made some bad decisions here. Bad, like I mean, the Jack Campbell. Is it's five years, five mil. It's. I mean, I felt bad for Jack Campbell last night. The defense in Bakersfield, when you saw those video clips, looked just like the defense the yeah. Oilers in front of them, except for the see one them goal. Play that type of D. I mean, yeah. Anyway, so uh, we will have Jason Greger coming up at seven twenty as the texts start rolling in. And again, your calls are welcome this morning one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. If you got something to say. To myself, Freddie Steele. Gregory's going to be on at 7.20 as well. Mark Spector for On The Mark by Booster Juice uh, from Rogers Sportsnet. Checks in at 8 o'clock as he does every day. We will have Gord Stellick from Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter at 9.20. At 10 o'clock, Darren Balachuk, Pandas hockey head coach, uh, Man, the Pandas are still playing quite well. What a change that would be after having Howie Draper for, like, 26 years, you know, 25, 26 years, and now a new coach Continue it on. In. Oh, yeah. For sure. And then uh ten twenty, Allison Lucan from the Seattle Kraken, uh, analyst for the Kraken, and she will guest with us as the Oilers now make their way to Seattle for Saturday night's game against the Kraken. Text coming in, one 401 1440 Calls are starting to come in right now. The board is lighting up, but we've got to hit the brakes. When we come back, Jason Greger will guest with us, uh, the afternoon host on Sports 1440. That's coming up right after the break. It's Karius, it's Steele, it's Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Karius Steele on a Friday morning with you. Just before we bring in uh, Jason Greger, one other comment I wanted to make, Eddie, on the, you know, on the third goal. And we just didn't have time in that first segment. But, you know, it's again, once you start pressing, and that's what the Oilers, you saw them do as the game went on. I mean, Darnell Nurse is trying to make Something out of nothing, and instead of making the smart play, just putting it in deep. All his players, all his teammates, all his forwards are right at the hash marks. He tries to make the play at the blue line. Next thing you know, it's two on one. Bingo, game over on a three on one goal, three one goal. So you know that's. And I think the Oilers are just trying so hard to get back in the game. Exactly, and and I think they legitimately were. From the you know the second mid second period on they really tried to get back in the game but I mean you're waiting too long you're waiting too long need a start need a better better oh, we talked start. about early
3: in the season they're gripping the sticks too tight yeah that was evident man at this point these guys have splinters going through their hands all right time now for the uh, puck report brought to you by. Fountain Tire,
2: right now during the Road Ready sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in the host of the afternoon show here on Sports 1440, Jason Greger. Morning, Greggs. I see you got your hoodie on, looking sharp. Is that a foreshadowing of your, I guess, your wardrobe, your attire, of what's going to be happening here in the next little bit?
1: Yeah. there's uh there's no there's no question about that so i'll be uh um shades and a hoodie and a toque or a hat pretty much
3: oh just to let you know gregs just in honor of you this morning i got a great fresh clean shave with a brand new blade any ball guy out there knows how that is so just for you man
1: yeah. Oh, thanks, hey. Eddie, I'm sure you can't see my hands right now, but you know what I'm giving to you.
2: So. <laughs> you know, you you kind of—it's a scary look, actually. The Duke just swung the monitor around here, Greg. So just Eddie's getting the first look too here.
3: Oh, not yeah. Not saying
2: much. All right, floor is yours. You're not happy.
1: Wow. You look at the Edmonton Orders. Are you kidding me? You you can't beat the San Jose Sharks and you know what we can talk all we want about shots on goal and and effort and everything but um you know what you've got you've got so many players that literally can't score offensively and still too often they just naturally don't have enough guys who are comfortable going to the net and staying in front of the net um you now i know san jose's goals last night obviously you guys talked about the uh the third goal which is a which is an odd man rush but other teams get goals where they're, you know, guys are deflecting pucks, guys are uh, screening the goaltender and the goalie, you know, the goalie just sits like this and then the goal goes in and then they're like, geez, well, I couldn't see it. How many times do you see that for the opposition? So uh, I'm curious more so on what the organization is going to do now. Mm-hmm. Um I know the easy one is to say, fire the coach, fire the coach. Um, and you could, sure, you can fire the coach if if the owner has the appetite to to pay for him for the remainder of his contract. And uh, then you got to go find uh, a head coach and he's got to have some assistant coaches. And, uh, you know, like how deep do you go? Do you just, you gaslight the, the entire coaching staff and, um, you know, do you get a new power play coach and you get a, a defensive coach, you get a new goalie coach. Well, you know, how far do you go? I think, honestly, to me, one of the biggest questions here in the next week or two for the Empton orders is they're they're 2-9 and 1 right um, the odds are significantly stacked against them to uh, to make the playoffs at best they're a wild card team and they would have to go on a massive run we all know that so here's the real question for the Empton orders Connor brown has played 9 games if he plays one more game he then has a 3.25 million dollar bonus that kicks in now unless the oilers are going to uh, you know trade off some guys and end up being $7 million under the cap so they could then uh, take his bonuses and not be overages, right? So that's the only option because the last thing you want is to miss the playoffs this season and then have 3.25 in dead cap space for next year after you had a bad year. If you, if you were going for it and you went two, three, four rounds deep in the playoffs, you'd live with it. And that was their whole strategy. But I'm fascinated to see you know, how they're going to maneuver that. And if Brown comes back, does that mean I get that they're going to try to win, but I really wonder then as the GM, how they will try to shed salary this year. So that's not an overage for next year.
3: So Greg's at this point, you feel that they should just stand pat and shouldn't do anything.
1: No, I think they got to do like, you have to do something, but the problem is the Edmonton orders. It's not like, like they're not scoring. Right? That's obvious. Um, last night, did they make a lot of defensive gaffes? Not really. Um, obviously, the goal, you know, Nurse, you're, you're trying to make a play. I, I don't know if a new coach suddenly means you're not going to try to make that play. right? I, I think the problem is, you know, you have to understand the time of the game. right? There was lots of time left. You don't have to. You just put it in deep at that point. And I think, you know, Edmonton's players, firing the coach to me is almost like, yeah, the players feel guilty, but What's the recourse for the players, right? Like you keep firing coaches when it's your main core all the time. So that, that to me is the, uh, the counterpoint. I understand if they do it. um, But I look and say, and, and you played Eddie, if you're, if you're always firing your coach and there's no stability, it's not like there's massive changes in systems, but will, will a new coach like Jay Woodcroft has coached now 132 games guys. That's not even two full seasons. If the players have, quote, tuned him out in that short period of time, there's a much bigger issue at play well beyond the coach.
2: Jason Greger with us on Sports 1440. It's Carius Steele in the morning on a Friday, 724. To your point, Gregs, 168 shots on goal, and the Oilers have had nine goals for, so not enough traffic. You know, look at the goal that was disallowed in Vancouver by Warren Fogle. One of the few times there was just a total gang rush, a total jailbreak in the slot. Wanted to ask you about Leon Drysaddle. Second period, we saw several times trying to make a pass, fanning, stick handling, fanning, pucks rolling off his stick. I don't recall a time, a period of this nature, where Leon has had this much problem just simply handling the puck and making ill-advised soft saucer passes, what do you think is wrong with Leon?
1: Oh, buddy, it's clear. Confidence, or more so lack thereof, is a powerful, powerful beast. And even a guy who has scored 50 goals three times, 100 points multiple times, won the Hart Trophy, second leading scorer in the NHL for five years, he doesn't have confidence right now, and he's pressing. And look at look at McDavid. Look at the power play late in the game. Look at the when, the, when they're eight seconds into the power play, and McDavid's pass goes right on the tape of the defender. Right on the tape. Mm-hmm. Like, not where the defender made a nice play and it knocks it down. No, right on the tape because they're passing, their scopes are all off. And it's it's funny to me. Well, not funny, but it's interesting how you know, too often people, I think we try to downplay confidence, but they don't have any confidence. And they like last night was the game I thought they really needed because it's a team that has been leaking goals all over the place and they couldn't get a bunch of guys off the schneid offensively against the sharks so now you take on seattle who just beat mm-hmm. colorado last night there there are no easy spaces the oilers right now are the easy space on the bingo card <laughs> because they've only won two of their first uh 12 games right so it's I don't know. You're going to have to try to work your way out of it. Pouting sure isn't going to be doing it, right? Snarky answers post-game aren't helping. That's not going to – hey, you want to be upset and you want to be frustrated? No problem. But you know what? Guess what? If the, the orders have the, – the players have to be somewhat mature and understand people have to do a job. And you know what? You want to act like a dick, people are going to start acting like dicks back to you. That's just how life is, right? You, you get what you give out. And right now, the orders are giving out a lot of negative energy and I understand the frustration. I, I think they're a more skilled team than the record shows. I think most people would agree with that. You look their top five and high danger chances produced, they can't score. They can't they couldn't score in a brothel with five hundred bucks right now. It's mm-hmm. embarrassing.
3: Jason, <laughs>
2: neither will you for a while. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Sorry,
1: uh, Paris. I got good personality, buddy. That's the one thing you can always hold back on. It, right? You need a good foundation of success, and I can always go back charm, to charm. Charm.
3: <laughs> So I want to double back to something you said, talking about the whole Woodcroft discussion. and I'm with you, man. I agree. I don't think that getting rid of him is going to be the answer because I think it's greater than that. I think it is ultimately the players. And, look, as a former player, uh, sure, people want to throw shade. It's only CFL. But as a former pro player, I totally can relate and understand what the locker room feels like. And this is a player issue. This is 100% a player issue, and I'll say the uncomfortable things. I don't think that they're ever going to win anything with 97 and 29. I don't. I think there Mm. needs to be a move. Uh, Who knows what the move is? These guys have played together for seven, eight years. They haven't won anything thus far, and now it's fallen off a cliff. I don't foresee it all of a sudden getting back to the standard that we've been accustomed to over the past four years just with age, etc., Uh, But what's interesting is the one whooping boy throughout this whole uh, darkness has been, or years, I should say, has been nursed. But throughout this time of darkness, he's been actually a fairly bright spot. So uh, it's interesting because I think this totally falls on the player's shoulders. I think it's a cop-out if you get rid of a coach. And you got to point the arrow at the shoulder, you, the players. You know,
2: you know, Eddie, though, Nurse was had a decent game last night, but he can't make that play at that point in the game. He has to recognize that someone's coming at him. He gets muscled off the puck at the blue line. He's got to just play the percentages, take it in, bounce it off the boards. you got two, three guys down there. He's got to make that play. Greg's I want to ask you this one. Uh, out of all your years covering the team and even before that, I go back to – you know, in the mid-90s before the real low tide took over the Oilers as head coach, that was a very difficult time. 2013, 2014, 2015 when Dallas Aikens came in here and there were tons of coaching changes and things like that. That was a dark time too. Right now, this has only been a month. Is this in that conversation for the darkest times in this franchise's history?
1: Um, probably not because you still have mcdavid you know you have dry subtle you've got some players like you go look at the roster um and the orders have tied now that now it's down to two there used to be three teams in franchise history that it, there were two eight and one now there's only two that are uh that are two nine and one and uh, in case you're wondering two thirteen and one is the uh, is the worst start all time uh for the Empton orders so i uh I think it's the most frustrating. I don't think it's the darkest. I think it's the most frustrating because during, you know, the 93-94 season, they had lost all of their superstars. And you know what? You're like, well, hey, we're probably not going to win as much. We don't have Messi and Coffee and Gretzky and them anymore. In, uh, In 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, you had a bunch of young kids who were unproven And you didn't have any veterans like, you know, when you're bringing in Ben Eager and Jared Smithson, it's not like you're uh, suddenly going to feel like, hey, look at our fans. They're really excited that these are the guys like the Belanger Triangle, for God's sakes. (laughs) You want to talk about the darkest time in franchise, that would be it for sure. So um, I think this is easily the most frustrating. I think it's the one that is going to emotionally impact fans more than ever before because this team was supposed to be good this team has been good Mm -hmm. for the last few years and they are now they follow they've skated off a cliff and they're in a deep ditch and this is where you know what you got to get some intestinal fortitude they're gonna have to look within there's no savior coming It's not like there's going to be one trade that's going to magically cure the woes of the Edmonton orders. You've got so many players right now who aren't scoring. You've got different guys, every game you mentioned nurse last night, Kevin, you're right. They, this team, there's no level of accountability personally as a group to say, you know what? This is our standard. Never mind the coach. Where's your standard as a teammate and as a player to say, okay, We're not going to do this. Now, if you make a mistake at a key time in a game and it happens once every 10 games, Kev, that's no problem. This happens daily, Mm -hmm. every game, multiple times by multiple different players. There's no standard amongst the group, at least that they've shown this season, to say we're not going to do it. And by the way, it's not just this year. Last year when they were scoring, they outscored their problems early on in the season. But gifting goals, guys has been the major underlying issue in Edmonton for a long time, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been solved. And if you want to put all the onus on the coach to say he has to solve it, that's a, that's a pretty big matzo ball to put on any coach, whether it's Woodcroft or they bring in a new coach. He doesn't play the game. He's not on the ice making the decisions, and they just as a group have to look in the mirror and say, okay, enough. We're going to retreat back rather than always try to push forward. Matthias Ekholm talked about it, guys, at the start of the year. We have to get comfortable not having to try to win the game all the time. Well, guess what? Everything he said has not come to fruition at all this year outside of the Calgary game and the Winnipeg game.
3: I want to ask you both a question here since you both have been around the game a lot longer than myself. Have you ever seen a team, just not even Oilers, but in NHL history, forget NHL, sports history, where they've had such high expectations, they've been the best offensively, the best on the power play, the best statistically across the board in a lot of categories, all of a sudden from one season go to literally the worst in every category, have you guys ever seen that before? Well,
2: I can say, you know, in baseball, I think the New York Yankees can kind of fall in that category. Uh, but I mean, that's it's a way different comparison. In the NHL, I think we've probably seen it over the years. But again, it's a, the the reason I asked you that question, Gregs, is because again, it's and you mentioned the word frustration, but it's about the expectations that were so high, and they still are. They have to be high here. I, I can only use the Yankees, but I, I mean, in hockey, yeah, it's happened, Gregs, so have you got one off the top of your
1: head? Well, the, the team that, that that stands out to me was the 2017 Tampa Bay Lightning. So Tampa Bay went to the Stanley Cup final in 2015 against the Rangers, right? And they lost, but they, they had Hedman Kucherov, Stamkos. You know, they had their core guys. And then, then in the 2016 season, they have a pretty good year, 97 points. Uh, then they followed up. Now, they didn't end up poorly like this because obviously they didn't start this bad, but they missed the playoffs in 2017. After going to the cup final two years, you know, being a, a perennial team at the top for many years. And then obviously we know what happened. They came back the next year and, uh, you know, and were lights out. And then they lost the night. Then they choked kind of at 19. Like, so I would probably even say, you know, Tampa Bay in the regular season, no, but we've seen good teams come short of their Mm -hmm. goals before tampa bay would be the most recent for me because they were good for a long period of time but they missed the playoffs in 17 and then got swept in round one of 2019 before winning the cup in 20 and 21 and they did make some changes right after the 19 team you remember right they felt like hey we got to get grittier right but their players also recognized they needed to be grittier you can bring in grittier players and that will help but they kept their core intact, and that to me is going to be the big question for Edmonton. Um, I'll disagree with that. Like, trading dry, mm-hmm. settle McDavid, you make either one of those trades, you lose the trade. You never win the trade in hockey when you trade the best player, right? Um, unless you're trading them for some up-and-coming young guy like Neuendijk and Aginla, where I don't know if anybody won. They both won. Dallas won the Cup, and uh, Calgary got a really good player in Aginla. But, right? about- but it's rare that you trade the best player and you get equal value in
2: Okay, it. what about like a bigger blockbuster trade that we see? And, I mean, obviously, Calgary lost the one with Huberto and Kachuk, which was done in the offseason, things like that. What about something where – and I brought this one up yesterday because this was floating around several years ago, Greggs, and I don't know if you heard it, but this is before all the contracts were done and, you know, uh, well, Dreisaitl's contract was done, but Florida was wallowing in things, and the, the trade that I had heard was Barkov and Ekblad. For nurse and Drysail, that's before the contracts were done with with uh, with the Florida guys and done before Nurse was done. So maybe something big, big along that lines. But it's so hard to make these trades.
1: Well, it's in in the cap. Well, first of all, the teams that have those players right now, they're not making that trade. Like that's an off-season trade. It's it's not mid-season, right? So Mm -hmm. um, Edmonton's got they got a lot of time. We're it's funny. Your character most times comes out like it's easy to be happy and positive and work hard when things are going well, whether it's in sports or in life, right? It's easy to do that, right? It's easy to be a better teammate on a winning team. When you're on a losing team, that's when it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Your frustration's higher, right? And and maybe, like, I don't know, I'm not I'm, I'm in the room, but I've obviously I'm not in the room when the media's not there, right? And you know, I'm always curious the level of accountability amongst the group. Is somebody tearing a strip off one another is somebody in, in a positive way. Cause you can tear a strip off someone and be a good teammate in doing so. So that to me is like, we can talk about training the coach. That's like, those are the easy mm-hmm. things to look at. There is a bigger, deeper problem right now where the players, even though you're not scoring, you have the puck more you can't just keep giving up easy goals to the opposition and this is not just for this year guys anybody who's watched the orders knows this has been a problem for multiple years and the players are the ones who make the problem there's no coach there's no system in the world that says hey guys let's let's be Santa Claus ho 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 and let's give up the puck all the time that's not it's up to the players and until they collectively decide and that comes from their core group McDavid dry nurse Nugent Hopkins Hyman Uh, it comes from those guys if they don't Commit to it and they don't hold the other players accountable to it, it's never going to improve.
3: Yeah, you're right, Greg. And part of the reason why I said they're not going to win with this core is because in a game of this magnitude yesterday, everybody knew what this game was about. Sure, the players cliche, it's just another game, but they knew they were playing the worst team in the league. Uh, for the battle to be the worst team in the league. And just look at the performance that their two big dogs had yesterday. McDavid turning it over left and right. Dreisaitl can't even keep the puck on his stick. That to me is telling, man, in the most important game of the season, look at how they performed.
1: Yeah, they now they've shown that before they got a pretty good track record of performing well uh, at key times too, but I, I think it's valid. You, you look at it, look, like I just look at the power play. And, and we can talk about power play success rate, but power play scoring goals at key times. They had two power plays in the first 10 minutes of the game. You're a team that hasn't scored. You're going up against a penalty kill that's under 75%. Nothing. And then so you get a power play, guys, end, to tie the game. Six on four. Yeah. Mm. To tie the damn game. Did they get a really good chance on that power play? No. 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 Um, you, so... You, I. This this loss last night, like people, yeah, you want to blame Nurse? I have no problem ripping on Nurse for that third goal. It's terrible play. But where's your power play? Where's your power play the whole game against one of the worst penalty kills? And they give you chances to start the game. They give you a chance on a platter to tie the game. You've just made it 3-2. You should have some uh, some confidence at that point as a team. And they did nothing. And they did not force Blackwood to stand on his head in the final two minutes. That's on your best players offensively.
2: I said this earlier, Gregs, about uh, three weeks ago. Uh, basically, on the power play, other teams have figured out how to defend what the orders were doing on the power power play that made it successful. I would have almost two guys in front, but off to the flank, and I would just load up Bouchard, and his first two, three shots will be about five or six feet high, and hopefully it pumps a few defensemen from the opposition. Make sure your guys are clear. Pump a few Throw a few, like, uh, shots over the bow. Fire a few three, four, five feet high. You'll clear some spots out there. Get some space. You'll get some goals off some dirty ones. What's your? I know
1: the orders luck? they would hit their own guy. Probably. So I, What's the, the thing is power play success rate doesn't high high shot volumes on the blue line doesn't lead to current play power play success. So I'm I just talking
2: Edmonton about orders, I clearing watch. guys out in front, and getting some respect. And now, now you, guys from there, your opposition is going to be moving around, and now it allows you to move the puck around to to make a play that you're looking to try to uh, put together.
1: Yeah, maybe. I just watch how many of their passes. That normally they make, they're not making. I, I think a lot of their like Dry saddle admitted it. Hey, he's one guy; he's lacking confidence. Mm-hmm. And I, I think McDavid. Like I've seen them miss passes where a guy's open and they don't put it on their stick, and that never happened last year, and really rarely happens in the years before. So I the I wouldn't. I would challenge the power play, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't tweak it massively. I still think their power play's got enough juice, but last night their power play cost them, no question they were just as much of a culprit in that game mm-hmm. as any other player. Well, Greg, what's the rest of your
2: day looking like? You going like hat shopping, toque shopping, what's going on?
1: Well, no, but it's first day. You know, oh. the head still looks great. Um, it's probably going to be, <laughs> I would think, and like, you know, I normally never grow it out for more than three or four days. Okay. Like next week is when it's probably start to annoy me. And I'm sure by the, uh, you know, I'm, my wife's really excited about Christmas pictures. So yes, I was going to um, mention that. That's, <laughs>
3: you know, no,
1: That's awesome. That was a, that was a real fun conversation yesterday. Well, I really, And you, she's like, what? you did what? Yeah, And I'm like, yeah. So that's, um, you know, we'll see. It's, um, uncharted uh, be, territory. That's what it, it is. I'm I mean, looking at Eddie. He's a shop.
3: handsome man right I'm now. handsome because yeah. I got a fresh, clean <laughs> shave. <laughs> so I
2: called the dermatologist, Gregs, and she told me that approximately, approximately hair will grow about a half inch per month. So you're looking at about three and a half inches or so by June 10th mm-hmm how like yeah. does that feel good i mean does it feel like you're
1: well there you know, there is Hey, I just have to grow it out i'm allowed to trim it and keep it uh, keep it tight there's no there is no i, right. I, I, I gregs awesome i was
3: pattern. gonna ask you about trim that it. are you gonna are you gonna trim it and keep it a little high and tight or are you gonna just let it oh, get you, a little you, longer what are you, you trimming
1: anything um, even even though you have the terrible fryer tuck, it doesn't have to be a shaggy fryer tuck. It can still be the classiest fryer tuck going. But right? don't oh, say come on, not, so I, th- nah, you I th- gotta think we got to get
3: these. Go. We got to get these inches for charity, though, Gregs. Well,
1: dude, trust me, nobody
3: nobody's buying
1: three inches of back <laughs> head of your hair. Like, let's be honest. You know what you're going
3: to notice like this-
2: too. Uh, the thing you're going to notice is like when you walk out of rogers on a like a chilly night now you're going to have that like that back of your neck it's going to feel better greg it's going to feel like nice and warm you're going to feel better you're, this is all this is a good thing for you Nah, i don't know not co- no comment or what is he did he just hang up or what duke
1: Nah, no. i'm uh i'm not listening to any stupidity right now <laughs>
2: hey man I, I, you called me that stupidity. I think the guy that would say that he's going to do this—that you could put that in that category, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's self-inflicted. I don't discount that. But uh,
2: hey, uh, um, well, thanks for uh, uh, checking in early this morning. I know you—you got to—we'll you know, have a jock show at two o'clock. So uh, thanks for coming on, Skipper. And uh, well, well, you know
1: what? When big yeah. news, we'll see. Do you think? Do you think the orders do anything today? I don't know. No, I don't either. Okay. Yeah. So do you do? I'll be in agreement i'm probably in agreement with you guys i don't uh um and i'm not sure jay woodcroft said i know i saw people trying to be lip readers mm-hmm. about him and uh manson that walking off the ice i'm not sure if that's what they said was i think that's it i don't know i i watched that clip 50 times I'm not, mm-hmm. and i'm not a lip reader but i'm not sure that's i never, i tried to see like oh is that what they said but i the yep part yes is good for manson but woodcroft mm-hmm. i think we're all speculating on what he said.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't see. I didn't
1: see that one. There's some know. pressure. There's some pressure on them, though. There's no question about it. So. Oh,
2: there's pressure for sure. Hey, thanks, Gregs. Uh, we'll be checking in with you today at two. Thanks, man. Have a good one. That's Jason Greger, the host of uh, Sports fourteen forty two to 6, and the Puck Report. Brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup, brand offerings, and seasonal tire storage. We'll have some open text time and open line time. Give us a show. We had a bunch of guys on hold there, one 833 401 Call back. We'll get you on when we come back. Carry a steel. Sports 1440, right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. The Duke slides in with his 7.40 break time with uh, his buddy, B.A., Brian Adams. Karius, uh, Steel, Sports 1440, about 27 million texts coming on, uh, coming in. Uh, Darren... And sorry, Darren, we were just so engrossed and engulfed in Gregs that we never got to this. But uh, Darren says, sorry, but I haven't heard anything about Nugent Hopkins taking two lazy penalties in the last 14 minutes of the game. Why is he always exempt? If McLeod took those penalties, the media would be calling him out. This team will never win with Nugent. McLeod, uh, da-da-da-da-da, make a list of everything wrong with the Oilers right now. Same thing with Nugent. McLeod. Those the first penalty I didn't think was a penalty on Nugent Hopkins, Duke. I don't know if you caught that one because you were at Thursday Night Football. Uh, Second one was, for sure, and
0: a worst time of the game. And to rebut what Darren said, um, Jason Greger himself sent a tweet out, and it might have been a little bit of his own self-defense saying that Gregor's putting his uh, his head on the line and Nugent takes two third-period penalties. Can't believe it. There, something to that extent was Greger's tweet. So he was not uh, off-scot-free. Uh, mm-hmm. Jason himself uh, calling out the... The wrongdoings. And, and, yeah, it was – the first half of the game, I could only watch um sort of yes. – I like, didn't have a great view of the TV for the hockey game at the CBH. I was driving home in the first half of the second period, but then the second half of the game I was camped on the couch mm-hmm. watching it on the big screen. So,
2: uh, We'll get to the uh, Thursday night football <laughs> game a little bit.
0: I don't even think we need to. Oh, yeah. I, there, I,
3: was a, there was a football game? I'll be very
0: honest, Kevin. I was hoping the Oilers would win and mm-hmm. we could have a nice uh, – Brief positive chat about them this morning, and then we could spend about three hours diving into why that was maybe the worst football game I've ever watched in my entire life. Or we could have just
2: taken a break and then just aired the Carmen DeFalco segment from Wednesday. (laughs) We had Carmen DeFalco on, Eddie, from Chicago ESPN 1000, and we said, well, what about the Thursday night football game? And he was just like, he didn't even know what to say, you know? (laughs) He had no... And we ended up talking about uh, basically uh, Bezos and Amazon, how much they paid for Thursday night football and, and things like this, and Bezos is... Is upset because all these games are like, I mean, that was terrible bad last night. That was terrible. Bad. The that worst. Was really bad last night. Herm Hordell texts in 1 14 40 1440. Uh, sorry, Kevin. Attitude is what has been missing from the Oilers organization. When you draft soft players, you earn your respect. You take that look into the culture of the dressing room. I've been saying it all along. Um, Ray Lap texts in, who knows, maybe hiding injuries here too, just saying.
0: That was in response. He had uh, exactly. messaged message when you guys were talking about teams that kind of went off a cliff. He oh. messaged in saying, didn't Vegas miss playoffs oh, the see. year before it. they won the cup this yeah. past season? And I messaged it back saying, bit yeah. of a different situation that year previous. Cool. Vegas had traded away a couple players waiting for the Jack Eichel return from injury. Several of their big names, Mark Stone uh, and Jack Eichel, only played about like between 30 and 35 games. So they were very ravaged by injuries, just a bit of a different situation. And then Ray Lab said, hey, who knows? Maybe we are battling something uh, similar here mm-hmm. and... That's been speculated about with McDavid if he's uh, you know, fighting it yeah. more than maybe he's letting on when speaking to the media because it's been beaten to the ground. He just does not look like the same far and well, away bona fide best player we have ever seen play hockey. If, no you,
2: if you want to look at the one, one aspect, one play last night, and again, Duke, you wouldn't have seen this and you wouldn't have seen the look on his face, and they didn't go to him, but you could see just at the corner of him when he left, uh, the screen left was in the first period when he gave the puck away to uh, Will Eklund. And Eklund busted in shorthanded. McDavid came back with a really strong back check. Uh, Stu Skinner was still forced to make a pretty good save, but McDavid came back. But after Skinner froze the puck, held onto it, you could see McDavid looking up and going, what am I doing? Like, what's where, what's happened to me? It's almost like he doesn't even... Understand it. Texts and calls. one 401 John from the park. Been a season ticket holder for over 30 years. Think I'm done with giving up hours of my life and spending big cash watching this circus act. Uh, two things with it. Uh, from Eddie to you. Uh, Robbie says, agreed, Eddie. I don't think this core has what it takes to get to a promised land
3: Robbie, um, no, they don't, and they've proven that. And okay. the the one Texer talks about Nugent Hopkins being exempt by the media, he's not. Because sure, we talk about McDavid and Leon, the performance they had yesterday, but he Nugent Hopkins is one hundred percent part of that leadership mm. core that hasn't really accomplished a whole lot. Uh, playoff success is, you know, that's good, and there's merit for that, but. There's only one winner every year. I understand that, but for this team to be putting on the performances that they are now, it's uh, it's ugly. E.I. Nate checks in.
2: I wonder if that's what his name's all about. Uh, Now hold the hell on here, Eddie. You don't get to discount Dry having the most points in a five-game playoff series ever. McDavid having one of the highest power play goals in the playoffs of all time because they were stuck in a slump in November. Couldn't get it going against a garbage team. That's asinine. That comes from E.I. Nate. I'm going to say this to you, Eddie, one thing. About four years ago, I went on record saying that I did not believe that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl... could coexist on the same team. I changed my mind about two years ago. Maybe I maybe it was a correct assumption four or five years ago.
3: Okay, I so I, well, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, sure, the playoff success. I look, I respect and appreciate everything that they have done over the years. But right now, pro sports is what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. And sure, it may be a slump. But this slump is about to be your season, if not already is your season. So we're not talking about a two-week slump. We're talking about the season being over, Mm -hmm. not even making playoffs. So there is one point. The second is Leon's going to be commanding a huge chunk of change here in the near future. Connor's going to be commanding a huge chunk of change. Over this eight years they've been together, they haven't won anything So do you want to be paying them top dollar each? The cap only goes up so much per year. So do you want to have both of these big players with huge salaries and then have a thin roster? Because Mm -hmm. that's what this team is. The roster is thin. They're top-heavy. And again, what have they won? At the top of the hour, we will check in with Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet.
2: Uh, If you have time during this break, check out his column at sportsnet.ca. He posted it at 3 in the morning. So he was up way past his bedtime, and he's up early to check in at 8 o'clock. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round. Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.